A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists presents Mischievous Musings, the low-key podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eddie Wilson. And I'm Joshua Rosengren. And Josh is jumping the gun. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode that's actually recording this time, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. It's a good thing. Go ahead. Thank, thank you, uh, Martha Stewart. Nice to see you out of prison. But you, that's a dated reference, isn't it? Big, anyway. Big time. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at... The Marvelists. Or Josh. Oh, Rosenrant50 <laughs> on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> no, Josh, I was trying to reference the lost recording where you covered Eddie's line. Oh, and also The Marvelists. Not good enough. Anyway, you can also find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. Tune in Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it, we're there. You can listen to us. You can listen to these meandering palaverings whenever you feel like. You can also listen to the show on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, share, five-star if you're ever so inclined, and watch as I throw my face mask across the room. You can also support the show at Patreon.com. Hey, slash, watch it! I know. Slash? The Marvelous. Or Josh? Uh, the Marvelous. Eh, good enough. You can find us on there for as little as $3 a month to as much as... $3 a month gets you early access to episodes, our undying love and gratitude, and then $5 and up gets you the ability to listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, The Fantastic Voyage, where we cover all 102 issues of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's legendary, iconic, and... Kicks ass. Fantastic, too. Mm-hmm. But run of the Fantastic Four, as well as crossovers, tie-ins, you name it, we're going to talk about it. But we also have this month on the program, we are joined with the creator of the Fantastic Four comic book, Fantastic Four Grand Design, as well as the Jack Kirby graphic novel, Tom Scholey, talking Fantastic Four number 11. And he's actually currently working on his Patreon, the I Am Stan Lee bio story impossible it's gonna be interesting no that's the subject of issue 11 isn't it uh yes the impossible man Ah, well one half of the issue gotcha that's right yeah it's one of those interesting issues but anyway eight dollars and up gets the ability to guest host the show if we think you don't stink on ice and on top of that ladies and gentlemen if you go to below the collar.com slash the marvelists or josh the marvelous Oh, you're no Eddie Wilson. You can go on there and support the show with our Dad Joke Immune t-shirt because, well, God willing, you've made it this far. I'm pretty sure you're Dad Joke Immune. Bless those little vaccines. Mm-hmm. And when you go, you get the shirt, your torso's not cold. Wonderful, isn't it? That's how, ch- that's how clothing works. Or just exposed. Yeah. Hubba hubba. Anyway, gentlemen, today's episode, we are talking about Loki, episode number two, which dropped on Wednesday, and by the way... Disney announced all shows going forward are going to be released on Wednesdays. That's old news now, isn't it? It just got announced this week. All oh, shows. Oh, sorry, all shows. I'm thinking of all these episodes of this show. Well, okay. Nope. Everything. So the uh, What If will be a Wednesday series. 
Hawkeye, Ms. Marvel, etc., etc. They're all going to be Wednesday releases. And She-Hulk. Future uh, guest co-host on the show, Nick Wells, we were talking about it the other day. He brought up the point. Well, kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because Disney doesn't want to compete with the movies that are slowly reopening. Mm-hmm. So it makes perfect sense. There are people out there that will watch a show and then still go to a theater, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of people like that where they pick one over the other. You get a good comic book uh, education or a well-rounded, balanced diet on a Wednesday. Not only new comic yeah. books come out, but now the show. I, I like that idea, and I think it's going to be very much a... Um, I think there's going to be... you think they could do some tie-ins, crossover elements with that aspect of it being on New Comic Book Day? Uh, if they issue something based on the show, yeah, I don't know that it's going to be... Yeah, but then again, they could be breaking new ground. Who knows? It could be a... I mean, it could be a variant... Pioneering effort. It could be a variant cover ready. Oh, wait a minute. Speaking oh. of, that's the name of this episode. The Variant. And I definitely enjoyed the episode... Not as much as last week's, but last week also was an episode where I really only cared about the final 10 minutes. And these last two episodes have been very much that. It's very character building. We're learning these characters, who they are, and I enjoyed that. Well, I had to, and still need to rather, see the first one at least a second time to get acquainted with who these characters are. Yeah, he did get to watch the episode. And actually, he was not, by the way, he was not on Krakoa. He was in the danger room in Westchester that, that whole week. That was special. How did you survive? <laughs> uh, barely. Yeah. You did know, Nightcrawler help you out at least? Big, yes. Bamfed you out of many Bamf situations? is your friend. Good. That's exactly right. It could be an acronym for something else, but... Badass uh, mother... <gasps> Shut your mouth. What I'm talking about, Sharon. How dare you. Fudge your Eddie. It sure, it works. It's fine. Um, but I needed to... I think I really still need to get back to that first episode, Glorious Purpose. Glorious! Uh, where you're seeing these characters, some for the first time, like the Time Variance Authority, at least for myself, and figure out what their purpose is maybe, and just getting the groundwork set up. But I did, I think, understand this second one a little bit better than the first one. So I'm like, okay, here we here we go. Here's what's happening. And, of course, with Disney+, Plus, they'll give you a one line of, of essentially what the episode's about. Well, one of the things about this episode that was really funny was the fact that Loki basically told how the episode was going to end in the very beginning. Yeah, <laughs> right. This is what you're going to have me do, and who's the better Loki, superior, inferior, whatever. Yeah, and yeah. it happened. So, ba-da-da-da-da-da. Superman. <laughs> Superman. Josh, what did you think of the episode? I loved it. Twists, turns, great lines, even Pompeii. You- <laughs> <laughs> a big old explosion, yes. Continue. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. And plus, they even went to the Renaissance. Woof. Well, that's where it started. Jeez. The Renaissance. Where will they go next? Which was really funny that that scene, if I remember correctly, incorporated Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero, correct? Right, when the Time Variance Authority got into the uh, the big tent. What a week it has been for Bonnie Tyler. In the span of a little over a week, maybe, give or take, she had her song Hold Not For a Hero featured in the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe trailer for Kevin Smith's upcoming uh, anime, animated series or whatever, on Netflix. Then a couple days later, you go over to E3, the uh, entertain- Electronic Entertainment Expo, and they ended up utilizing that song in the trailer for the upcoming Square Enix Guardians of the Galaxy game, which I got a bone to pick with that soundtrack choice. Just uh, My soapbox is getting ready, but... And like I said, Loki got to be featured in that. So 
Bonnie's very lucky this week. She's got the, I don't know, she's probably in the running, and someone is keeping track of this, maybe the most used song in different uh, shows and so on. Because, but just in a week. Uh, yeah, but I'm thinking previously, well, I think the first time we heard the song was back in 1984 in the soundtrack to uh, in the Flash movie Dance. Footloose. Oh, that too. It's the other F movie. I mean... Is it a Pruder film? But also, I believe, is in one of the Shrek movies? I think it was Shrek 3. So it's gotten a lot of mileage, and we should know it by now. Not a radio hit per se, but you know it if you hear it. You know, they made four Shrek movies. They should make a fifth one called The Shrekening, and then a sixth one. It's like the end of it all. It's uh, Shrekalypse? Wait, wait, no, Shrekening was the uh, apocalypse one. Never mind. Oops. I botched that joke miserably. After Shrekening? Hey, where's that sound crash of the car? Forget right. Now, also, like I was saying with the whole Guardians of the Galaxy thing, I do find it rather funny that they're utilizing Holding Out for a Hero. Eddie, since you're my music guru on this show, what year did that song come out? I'm going to say 84. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Well, if you've listened to the soundtrack for the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, you know they never go past 1979. Well, a lot of the, the youths. Youths. They go on thinking that, well, that's an old song. It must be from the 80s. Well, it's kind of like saying that about the 90s, too. Come on. Oh, that's a sad thing, isn't it? True that. True that. One of the things, though, about this with the soundtrack is they always go with, oh, why don't they, they, they? I put more 80s songs in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, like the other 80s songs they use. They're not 80s songs, none of them are 80s songs. And as someone who grew up on 70s and 80s music, I kind of know the difference between the two. None of those songs in the Guardians movie sound like 80 songs, do they? No, they do not, especially yeah. in the first one that I know better than the second. 70s all the way. And it's, you know, yes, let's go all the way, the raspberries. But uh. <laughs> this is why we play off of each other so well. We finish each other's sandwiches. Yummy. But, Eddie, what kind of sandwich are you having? Peanut butter and jelly. Oh, that's a good one. What kind of jelly, though? Grape. Oh, you, you're a grape, Eddie. Standard purple grape. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. 50% peanut butter, 50% jelly. More or less. Yes. But anyway, it kind of always drives me crazy. I'm looking through the soundtrack for the Guardians of the Galaxy Square Enix game, and it's kind of mostly 80s music. And I get why they're doing that, but it's not an 80s kind of vibe to it. Just, you know, yeah, he's got the Michael Jackson kind of jacket, but that's where the 80s influence ends. You know, even the Walkman he's got is from 1979, mm. the well, TPS-L2. Kind of on the border there, on the decade turnover, yeah. And by the way, I know the model of the uh, Walkman. Of course I, you do. Because I want that Walkman very badly. And right now, as but of this recording of... It goes uh, for over $1,000. And yeah, you're yeah. saving your pennies, you know, I can tell. Oh, no, I'm good. And I as Disney this, for that. Uh, yeah. As of this recording of uh, June 18th, we're close to the birthday of Chris Pratt, actually. Now, Eddie, how many days till Halloween? As uh, of this recording. I don't know, about 136, I believe. But who's counting? Uh, anyway. someone, <laughs> some, someone where I saw it on a, on a post earlier today, so there. Of course you follow those kind of pages. You know. But the whole thing of that soundtrack, again, with Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero, it works oh so well in this show. Going right into the 1980s, which, by the way, other than flashbacks with the Guardians, have they really done anything in the 80s? Music covering soundtrack no, no, of shows? Just, or? just going to the 80s. I don't think they have. Now, that could be untapped territory, which wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, do you want 
to like not do you want to see but do you think they would do it when we're in a day and age of television and movies and stuff with shows like Stranger Things where they have that market already covered of being in the 80s do you think they would do it well then? maybe not then maybe it wouldn't be as um impactful impactful yeah exactly and, and a, you know a bunch of 80s songs wind up in commercials and time and again so it might be oh, like I do this is... well, time after time oh Cindy there we okay. go mm-hmm. she's so unusual Josh what did you think of the whole element of the time travel in this one especially going to those specific times when you mentioned Pompeii that's a big one it is because that explosion it was a big one <laughs> Kaboom, Stating Josh. the obvious. Kaboom. That's exactly right, yeah. That is the obvious. But in terms of time travel, it opens up to so many more possibilities. Where, uh, like I said earlier, where are they going to next? Where do we go from here? Where now, do we go? Now that all the children are growing up. Mm-hmm. and Where, where do we go now? Where do we spend our li- eyes now that there's no one to lend us a hand? Stuttering. Boom, intentional. <laughs> You know, putting that Bonnie Tyler song <laughs> in in the Renaissance Fair because it did tell you you're in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and it's 1985. So putting the song right there is just another good reason to have done it. You almost synced up the exact year. So wow, hearing that song in the Midwest is the only tolerable thing about being in the Midwest. Midwest, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oshkosh, bagosh, they make uh, dungarees, I think, or overalls, or oh, something. What a wonderful time to be in the Midwest to there you, go. you know make pants. But as the one character actor said, there, you're wearing the wrong costumes. Do you think there are people out there that are watching this, you know, that scene and seeing like some of the uh, 80s clothing in moments like that where they're going, yeah, so are you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> sure. I do love that element of whenever there is an, a period piece and people will get very upset about like the articles of clothing or even like background things. You know, like yeah. I will admit it kind of annoyed me at one point I'm watching and they go into the future scene of them in like 2050, I believe. 2048, 2050? 2050 is the future scene, yes. And it's in the grocery store. And, Josh, in the Lost recording, you had brought up the point of comparing it to zombie movies like World War Z. But one of the things that drove me crazy with it, and then we'll go into the uh, the post-apocalyptic theory you had, but it kind of drove me crazy seeing the uh, Mountain Dew and Pepsi can logos on the shelf. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, yeah, because they're still going to use those logos that they created in uh, 2007 still, you know, all those years later. I'm sure they will because, you know, Pepsi doesn't change their logo ever. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. We got Mountain Dew, but it looks like Mitten Dew. Doesn't it look like Mitten Dew? Uh, I'm oh, used oh, to the, You mean the abbreviated yeah. Mountain? Not MTN really. Mitten Dew. No, Mitten. Not, not, no. Mitten. You M- don't want a Mitten Dew? Yeah. A Kindred? I, I don't know. Live Wire? Is there a name, by the way, for because when we get past the the Renaissance Fair tent scene, and you know, now there's nobody in this tent. We go to where Loki is sitting with a very 1980s looking computer, and I guess it's that girl voiced clock face um, image. Uh, Miss uh, Time. She has a name. She, yeah, she does. Josh, what was her name again? Ooh, you have stumped me as well. Uh, I, I'm gonna quickly look it up, but I think it's Miss. And the whole concept of the timeline reset, figure that one out. So the variants go back to uh, the the main sacred timeline. The sacred Jedi text. The sacred timeline. See now, here's here's maybe an unintentional pickup from with all the X Men movies. How uh, the timelines were definitely out of whack. These timelines are so confusing. Let's get them back on the sacred timeline now. The sacred Jedi text. Well, seeing the whole concept, like, right at the end when, you know, the timelines are splintered, somebody pointed out, 
did she just create the multiverse? Yeah. You like, know? There is a big possibility. Again, everyone is going on saying Eternals is going to hold a very big spot in the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think people are discounting this as well. Yeah, it's it could go that direction. It could vary out that way as well. Josh, what were you saying before about the whole post-apocalyptic zombie element? Oh, World War Z. It's an almost. It's kind of like that in the sense of the way they have the scene set up. The lights are blinking, just a little bit of lights, the dark atmosphere, and you're, and then you introduce a villain right there. It's the perfect spot for any type of reveal of any villain in a dark atmosphere. Now, one of the other things about this is the introduction of, you know, we're we're going on the whole episode trying to find out who the variant is with Loki, and we're also, by the way, with this, as they're trying to figure this out, we're getting more of a relationship between Loki and Mobius, mm-hmm. played by Owen Wilson, and you know, in the Lost recording, I, Peter Melnick, and only I, Peter Melnick, brought up the great point that it feels like a father and son relationship, and it totally wasn't brought up by Josh Rosengren in the original recording. But, yes. <laughs> but no, you you originally had brought that up, and that is very much what it felt like. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> But yeah, you know, the whole idea that you, you Josh Rosengren, had brought up. He's in Pompeii right now. Seven, oh 79 AD. Right on schedule. But the, <laughs> the whole element, they very much play off of each other very well. And one of the biggest things that I noticed about this show, like this episode in particular, because it is more of an Owen Wilson-centric episode, it made me appreciate Owen Wilson as an actor and made me realize I have always found him to be a great comedic actor. He's very, very underrated. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even in something like Starsky and Hutch, I think. On the original recording, I brought that up. Okay. And, star- yeah, Starsky and Hutch is such a fantastic comedy. Like, it's very underrated, and it's one of those... It's kind of like 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street, where you're watching those movies, and you're thinking... You hear it get announced, like, oh, yeah, they're rebooting this as a comedy movie. Like, what? Mm-mm. That's stupid. And then you watch it, like... They pulled it off. I like that. And the whole element of that, he's great in that. He's great in that. He's great in the Royal Tenenbaums. He's great in Zoolander. He's great in so many different comedic roles. And even, you know, Drew... Night at uh, the Museum. Night at the Museum, where he's playing a a little cowboy. Which, by the way, Loki has been a cowboy before. Shout out to Daniel Kibblesmith for his uh, five-issue Loki miniseries. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Loki was a cowboy. Yeehaw and so but forth. But he did not, Owen Wilson, a Mobius character, did not utter the line, I think it was Loki, that said, uh, three magic lizards created the timeline. Or is it three magic lizards? Mm-hmm. Three magic lizards. In I brought up, what if it's the Watchers? The Watchers? Hmm. I don't, you know, and again, in, in the original recording, take a shot, ladies and gentlemen, when we say the original recording, but the whole element of the Watchers being a part of that, I don't think it would be very much something they would be involved with. The TVA is super bureaucratic, whereas the Watchers are like this intergalactic planetary, but also that <laughs> that whole element of cosmic and just strangeness of it all. That's not very, you know, 
suit and tie, very formal kind of thing. I mean, they probably don't even have underwear on. They got like those, you know. Would you really? I mean, well, look at them. As it is, we have to deal with the type of shirt that or jacket now that uh, Loki's wearing, the the variant model of the TVA. Which again, man, when conventions are a thing again with New York Comic Con, I'm excited to count how many Lokis in the variant jackets <laughs> we're going to be seeing. How many variants of the variant will we get? Yeah, I'm sure there'll be the one in 32 uh, retail variant. Get it? Uh, comic yeah, humor. And it could even be something as subtle and different as the coloring of the word variant on the back of it, just like yeah. the opening of Marvel Studios in green I instead actually, of in red. I loved that. Well, it wasn't just green. It was green and yellow, and it was like the brushed metal. Yeah, exactly. I yep. love yep. seeing that. Yep. yep, exactly. I like the throwback that uh, Mobius did when he said that the TVA gave him his own glorious purpose. Glorious! And, and, and also a throwback, too, to the first episode where it's been called glorious purpose. Glorious! And that's where the two words that I distinctly remember from the first, what, Avengers movie of Loki himself uttering. Do you guys think that they would end up doing, you know... The, the callbacks like this, how glorious purpose. Glorious! Glorious purpose. Glorious! I have a feeling we are going to hear that line again later this season. I don't see why not. Sure. Yeah. It's a very usable and uh, repurposable, to use the word twice, line. Josh? I think it's meaningful because it means so many different things. To so many different people. Series. Yeah. Fast forward now, like you had it said, Peter, to uh, 2050 in Haven Hills, Alabama. And uh, Rock's cart. Yep. So here we are. And it's <laughs> it's not a pretty picture because it's either, it, it's, it's like a hurricane happening, I think, right? It's a very... It, it's, it's post-apocalyptic. It's like, it's literally the end of the world. And it, it kind of made me laugh. I'm thinking to myself, why are we going to hear Skeeter Davis in this one? Yeah. I, why I, I don't know. Why does the sun go on shining? Didn't expect boom, that, boom, but boom. okay. Hey, I'm a good singer. I didn't uh, expect to hear such a bantering over who's going to be working with Loki and splitting into teams. Is it going to be that TVA officer, that lady, or is it going to be Mobius with him? It's like, I saw him first. No, he's on my team. No, I want him. He Over here. That kind of thing. But The biggest thing, though, is they're trying to control Loki as well, you know? And Loki is very much... At his very best in this series so far, he's he is chewing. Well, we can't even say he because Loki is gender fluid. Gen, Loki can be whatever Loki wants to be. Yeah. Loki can be like The Rock. You know when The Rock would always do uh, promos back in the day where he would go, "Well, The Rock feels like if you do this and this and this," and The Rock says, "And Rock did this and The Rock did that." Speaking you in know, the third person. Yes, exactly. Like the oh. uh, I think uh, Sanders, Deion Sanders. Football player, Josh, do you remember? Multi-sport yeah, player. Yeah, also a baseball player, Deion Sanders. Yeah, yeah there we go. And, yeah. you know, well, Josh, I got a question. Do you think that The Rock will ever make his debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? It would have to be. It doesn't matter you know what you we... think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to set you up for that one. <laughs> At point, he did. Mm-hmm. Josh? I, it would be cool it's to see The Rock the, no. the thing. <laughs> Uh, but we digress. Josh, we like to have fun here, don't we? What? <laughs> huh? And, mmm. Now, Josh, do you believe... I'm not, I'm, I assure you, by the way, I'm not going to do it. It doesn't matter to you this time. But 
in regards to the overall element of Loki, this was, I believe, the first time you had heard about Loki being a gender-fluid kind of character, right? This was indeed was. That was a sentence, but yes. What did you think of seeing that with Loki? Well, like I said on another previous recording, take another shot, people. Um, <laughs> it makes you want to, again, with all these other these other, like, um, WandaVision, all the ones that have come out so far, is I want to know more about certain characters that have come out. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to, check out the uh, Kieran Gillian run, the uh, Al Ewing run, and there's very much the case of these books make you want to read more. And it's funny because for myself on my end, you know, I... I, I did not care about Loki as I had said before and then the comicsology sale happened <laughs> and you know like for example WandaVision WandaVision comes out and my girlfriend you know she watches it and she's getting heavily into the characters now and watching the, you know, the story again wanting to read the story and that again the fact that they are not heavily actively promoting the books and things like that more prominently is kind of a disservice. It's like you have all of this content readily available for audiences that are like, I want to experience more of these characters. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't tie into the TV show, right? I don't care. I want to still experience more of these characters, even their the spiritual influence. You know? Well, if that's what's happening, then you don't need to maybe promote much. But, but they're not doing that, and it's it boggles the mind. Yeah, well, my question is, are people in your encounters, uh, seeking out other material now that they're seeing them on the small screen? I would say so, yeah. Like I said, you know, from my experience, you know, in regards to my girlfriend with uh, WandaVision, myself with Loki, and Cap uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Josh, yourself with Loki, and Eddie, you know, when you're watching even the movies, did you were there any, like, characters that you wanted to get more of and learn more about as a result? Um, the most I could say at this point is that what I'm seeing on the screen versus what I may have read or need to read, I, I need to see what's yeah. I mean, are there like ones for one medium what worked in the other, or are they both the same? Uh, you know, I can definitely say in some cases, no, no, that's not what happened in the book. But well, we're not talking about know. like the whole, you know, the quote unquote pull the glasses up and go. Well, actually, not that, <laughs> but like the element of it makes me want to read the books now of these characters that you know I didn't care about before. Yeah, I'm. I'm getting those uh, inklings also, sure. Because back in the day, Guardians came out. Did When Guardians came out, did it make you kind of be like, oh, this is kind of cool. I kind of want to read more about these characters. Because were you, were you much like, uh, you no, know, I already, in them? I already did have an investment, an invested uh, collection really? of Guardians stuff before Guardians came out. I did. So you, you had knowledge of them and everything. Somewhat, wow. yeah, but not okay. the movie version, well, of course. Even, well, not, yeah. but still, it begets your interest in them, you mm -hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I did not care about Loki or Wanda or Vision. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going to be interested. You know, it, it's kind of cool to see that. Well, Loki's been there since. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Since the uh, 1963. Journey into Mystery 90-something, uh, yep. I think, or 70-something. He came along a little bit after the first one because, yeah. well, 83 was. There we go. 83. Well, 83 was, was the first the Thor. Thor. So 80, I think, 6 or 7. Okay. Not far off. Mm-hmm. I'm squinting for this, and I don't know why. And pointing dramatic. at me, too. Please, yeah. sir, you're being rude. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. And 
yeah, there's just a lot about this that makes you interested in these characters. And what Josh said brings up a very valuable point. What I think, too, in, in this episode is one of the early characters who was first possessed by, I guess, an other Loki, the hooded one with the very sharp knife. Uh, C-20 is the officer's name. We see her later. Is that and a it's, robot? It's, no, it doesn't look that way, but she keeps repeating the same phrase or whatever. Then she's just, like, very scared. And something definitely happened to her. She got traumatized. We don't know what exactly has happened to her. So little elements like that maybe we'll we'll find out about. I mean, I am also had noticed a 20-minute countdown timer, the concept of overthrowing the timekeepers, and and the guy who I guess looked like some kind of trucker who said, call me Brandy. And and that fight with Loki, the, as as you and if you you know if you kind of followed as best you could when you saw a little bit of green in someone's eyes or between fingers to another person that they were jealous. The Loki swap was happening, or you know, possession, if you will, was going there. So, well, one of the things was when I saw that character show up, the uh, the big trucker. I initially thought it was indie wrestler Ian Rotten. I'm like, oh, what is Ian doing? In this? Oh, I, I don't know. But I've noticed too a little twist on the Loki um, costuming character, not only, of course, in the gender, because towards the end we see that the the uh, antagonist or someone who was fighting Loki at the end is hooded, pulls back the hood. It's a female Loki with a different version of uh, horns for a, for a helmet and whatever, and she says, this isn't about you. Hmm. I think that line means something Well, there we were, go forward. There were also a lot of little things in this episode, such as callbacks to other moments in Loki's past. When we have the Pompeii scene, that's a recreation of a scene of him, I believe, in Thor Ragnarok, as well as when he's down on the ground on his hands and knees looking back up. Like, Ugh. That's a reference to when he was like, I've been falling for blah, blah, blah. Hmm. So they are, they are definitely really good at these callbacks, minor visual gags in the overall MCU. Yep. And one of the other things, by the way, I want to rewind back to the exchange between Owen Wilson's uh, Mobius and Loki when they're sitting in that little food court area and they're, you know, Loki is telling a story utilizing salt and pepper and a bowl of soup and just, you know, doing all sorts of stuff, throwing coconut water in, whatever, just all sorts of goofy stuff. And again, in the Lost recording, Josh and I had talked about it and it definitely made me appreciate Salt and pepper and coconut water. Yeah. Well, that too. But the comedic timing of both of them together. Yeah. Like, they definitely play off of each other very well. And, Josh, would you, like, where would you rank this pairing compared to all of the other comedic pairings that have been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I think it's right up there with just the previous series that we just talked about beforehand would be the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier comedic pairing. I thought of that, okay. too, in the uh, in the uh, doctor's office and getting very close to each other, <laughs> right? The straight man element and the, uh, you know, the comedic foil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm. and in regards to it's the... unanimous. <laughs> mm-hmm. All in favor, say, mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. You made a yummy sound. And, Do you like it? Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Much on madness. Anyway, so one of the. That was young Frankenstein. Now stop it. <laughs> Josh knows. I, I do have a nose. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> and what a sniffer it is, too. If Good. you're blue and you don't know where to go oh. to, why don't you go where Frank or fashion Whatever is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we can go with the taco one where they have the uh, keyboard, the really, you know. 
1930s-ish kind of keyboard. I love that. You mean Taco the Artist who sang the 1983 song, Putting on the Ritz? Oh, that. I, I have that on vinyl. Good album. I used to have it as a 45. Thank such you. A, such a good song. I love the music video. <laughs> <laughs> Through the time door. That's where the female Loki goes, and Loki is sure to follow. It's a limerick, a rhyme in there somewhere. But, I'm sure uh, there is. <laughs> and then Mobius and the rest of the authorities say, Loki, come back. What? So we don't know to be continued. We'll find out where they're, they've gone in that uh, time door. Are they calling that anything? I'm calling it a time door. Copyright Eddie Wilson. Woof. Okay. And it's very much one of those endings. Again, I was much more invested at the end than I was throughout the entire episode. And it is... it. I feel bad about saying that, but understand we are slowly getting to that point of, oh, what is going on here? Yep, exactly. And even to the point where the ending credits and the music, the music that's there, it's got such a strength about it. I can't quite, you know, I'm getting uh, accustomed to it, the the texturing, the taste, if you will, on a, on a musical scale, what it, what it could mean. And definitely different than the other two series that we've been involved with, so... Josh? Uh, yeah, and we're going to see a lot more awesome stuff to come, I think. Yeah. What are your predictions now that we're we're not to the halfway point yet, but we're close? Yeah, we're a third in. Yeah. Well, next episode is going to be the halfway, halfway point. Halfway point, yeah. correct. Rainbow Bridge! There we go. Hmm. It's possible. I'll just do the first thing in mail. You know, it's very pretty, very colorful. Very nice. Very evil. Very, but no. <laughs> I mean, if, if you slip on it, that's very evil. You fall to your doom. That doom is evil. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, I would say overall, the episode was a fun one. And we are definitely on the right path for what Loki could be. Because we're, we still don't know what's going on. We have the visuals, I believe, wasn't one of the uh, trailers featuring the Vote Loki storyline where he's got a jacket on and a Loki pin? I, yeah, that was part of that also. I, I just wanted to say, too, that when he found the file, he was having such a hard time accessing any kind of files because they were all classified that he did get something that had to do with the uh, destruction of Asgard. And he was... Ask you know, place? His, his eyes were, you know, welling up with tears. So, yeah. so he was sad. Who's Peter Weller? Yeah. Okay. Who doesn't love Robert Cop? Uh, ro- <laughs> sure. I'll show you that later. What you said. Now, Josh. Overall, what did you think of this episode? Well, before I let you know about that, was he really that sad? Because like a few moments later, he's like uh, Owen Wilson's talking to him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, very tragic." Anyway. Huh. Well, right. he was brushing it aside. Maybe he had that moment of tenderness, of softness, making you feel for him, the does, pathos or whatever. And it's like, okay, brush it off. Let's go. Back yeah. on your feet. Let's go. Don't let these uh, emotional things hold you down is essentially what he was doing. Yeah, I feel like he never wants to truly show his emotions. That's why you only see that when he's like in a room by himself. Well, you're never going to see the clip of his life. You're never going to see the real Loki because Loki is in himself in, in themselves a shapeshifter. Loki, you never see the real Loki because the real Loki, if I remember correctly, frost giant blue skin. Why would you see the real Loki when he's always or there again? They're always putting on a false face. There you go. Yeah, good point. So 
we don't know the real Loki, and I don't think we ever truly will, unless we have those vulnerable moments where Loki is by themselves, and they're just like, oh, well, shit, uh, everyone around me that I love and care about is gone, and even though I tried to pretend, you know, I didn't care, I really did care, now look. What else is there to say? That's it. End part two. And then next week's episode, we're going to be going talking about Loki episode number three. So far, it's untitled. So what do you think? We don't know the title of what? 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 They're going to tell us ahead of time. Yeah. No, I didn't think so. No. Maybe maybe they'll call it the the uh, Verve Pipe song, the Freshman. No, I don't think so. Multi Loki. What they do a great job of is giving you the title beforehand. Avengers Endgame was already previously mentioned before it was even a title. I do love that the Russos, though, said it is not going to be mentioned in... uh, It is not going to be Endgame. And it was proceeded to be Endgame. Oh, they lied. They sure did. Decepticons they are. Anyway, Josh, before we go... How can people get a hold of you on social media, and how can people listen to the Rosen Rant cast? The Rosen Rant, I'll try this again. Rosen Rant is available on Facebook and Twitter at Rosen Rant 50. And you can also find us individually on social media. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at Peter Melnick. Eddie, you are on Instagram. At Eddie9193, in addition to the Find the Correct Eddie Wilson Facebook page. And that's going to put a bow on this one. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Joshua Rosengren. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!